Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. I need to get my boom arm sorted out. Um, although, yeah, I keep wondering how compact a setup I'm going to end up needing to run. Uh, just over a week ago now, my youngest expressed a desire to have his own bedroom. Oh, right. <laughs> um, uh, because, like, the, the room that I'm in is my workroom come our spare room dumping ground of everything else room. Yeah. So, if, yeah, if I look on the wall, I look around the room at the moment, there's, you know couple of shelves with loads of boxes and bits on there's um sofa bed stuff like that in here so i mean like to sort of turn it into his room would mean either it's like his room with just a bed in it and we get rid of the sofa bed or something and then they still have the other room as their room to play in or we've suddenly got to find a home for everything else that's in this room and there's nowhere else in the house for it uh meanwhile as well i would lose my desk well, for what it's worth, I've found a boom arm to be helpful in the case of podcasting in random places. That's interesting. So when you've moved yourself downstairs or whatever, yeah? What I do when I go downstairs is I'll just basically sit on the end of the sofa, put a coffee table to the side of it, and clamp the arm to the edge of the coffee table. Right. And just pop the MacBook down next to it. And then that's it. That's good to go. There's been a couple of occasions where I've recorded down at my parents' place when they've been away, um, and they've got quite a thick, or they've got a, a regular windowsill in their front room, but it kind of, yep. like the windowsill kind of sticks out beyond the wall a little bit, and there's just enough wood there for me to clamp on the <laughs> on the boom <laughs> So I just sit on a beanbag. Um, so I think it kind of adds flexibility, because otherwise you kind of okay. need to have, imagine if you've just got a mic stand, you almost need to have something where there's a desk in front of you for it to work. Yeah, which is what I've found in the past, actually. Whereas a boom arm, you can sort of clamp it to the side or somewhere, just anywhere where there's somewhere to clamp to. Like when I was on, about a year ago, I was on holiday in Dawlish in that caravan thing. I think I managed to find, I was in like one of the spare rooms that we weren't using. I clamped it to the part of the ladder for the bunk bed. Um, so right. It's quite handy. I, I would recommend a boom arm, to be honest. <laughs> it might help you out rather than the opposite. That's um, duly noted, because I think I kind of, thought of that as sort of being like that's when i'm going to have my permanent desk you know and i'll have that sort of screwed into the side and then then that's there um, but no you're right it's just a clamp just a little clamp on the end yeah just like a little g clamp yeah. style thing yeah so i do that's that that's cool because i think like this this moves um and i don't always sort of seem to manage to get it to the same position from me mm-hmm. um i think i might stand a better chance with the boom arm it certainly made life easier for us on the, the edits with my levels. Yeah, um, I think with the pile as well, the pile works best when you're up really close to it. Yeah. It, if, even if I move back a little bit, I can notice it in, in my own, like when I listen back to myself. So I just kind of get comfortable in my seat. I generally slouch. <laughs> so <laughs> I basically slouch and then just move the mic. So it's, you know, because it's on a boom, it can basically come right to where it needs to be. And I'm not straining to be in the right place. It's doing the work to be in the right place. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'll, I'll link you to the one I've got. It's only cheap. Um, it was like a fifteen yeah. quid Amazon job or something. I'll probably find the exact same one, but under a a registered seller on this side on Trade Me. Yeah, it's called. It's made by Newer, but it's spelled N W E W E R. Right, Newer, or I don't know how you say it. <laughs> but yeah, when I was like researching 
gear back in the early days um i sort of did the, did the thing where you look at marco's mega review of everything podcasting stuff and like yeah. the boom arms they were recommending were like 70 quid or something it was like flipping heck it's just an arm like i don't want to spend that much um no but i kind of thought well, maybe theirs must be really good or something but this is fine it's 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 just an arm it moves it's you know i've kind of taped down my xlr cable to it because it doesn't have one that goes through the metal work or anything yeah um, but yeah it's got some insulate black insulation tape and i've taped the cable up to the mic so yeah it all seems to be all right that's cool i think there's something to be said for that we've we've kind of started i think with with everything we've done sort of so far it's been a case of like well try the thing that we can afford and then you know think about sort of scoping upwards and and spending more sort of a bit later on um i mean if i think back to sort of our first few episodes i was um using that that microphone the the snowball microphone oh yeah and i mean i had higher hopes for that than it could deliver uh but it got me got us started you know yeah at that point the gear was almost secondary wasn't it we just needed to actually do it yeah yeah exactly um and i think obviously we, we paid out for um fireside which was helpful to just sort of get started and now we're doing that sort of slightly differently we've got our own hosting and everything but again it was all about just sort of getting started and doing something and and not sort of getting hung up on oh i need this i need that no that's cool i I think maybe it's time for a a boom arm in my life (laughs) uh getting on for what well over 18 months in now aren't we well nearly two years it will be in the new year it'll be near near enough two years yeah in january wasn't it yeah it was um it was i kind of can't believe it actually it's um in in some ways like this has flown by and then all this other stuff has sort of happened in between yeah it's weird i mean we're coming up to episode 100 as well which is going to be a bit weird when we hit that yeah yeah we we need to think about doing something special i think for that wiped my um iMac as well this week and my laptop i sort of did the acid okay. test on my iCloud drive workflow it seems to have worked okay so j- just run me through that that sort of workflow what's what's the overall linchpin of it well the idea was is that i wanted to separate my kind of dependency on a specific piece of hardware be it my iMac or my macbook so just imagine one of them just you know spontaneously combusts i can just go and pick up another machine and get set up without a huge amount of friction because yep. prior to that prior to this kind of reshuffle i've done it, it, it was kind of like i was leaning quite heavily on on one machine and the other machine was kind of being left as a kind of second class citizen which made jumping between machines to do things more difficult um right. one was always kind of not quite set up right that would be the MacBook. um and yeah i just wanted to get to a point where if any piece of hardware went pop then i could just set myself up and um, get going again quickly. So I've kind of, we spoke about it a little while ago, I've kind of rearranged everything. So I kind of work from iCloud Drive now for the most part, which is okay. Um, for the most part, it works. I get some weird issues in Xcode sometimes. Right. I find if I've got Xcode open on my iMac and say I've just left it, and then I go and open it on my MacBook, Sometimes it will it will come up saying, "Oh, there's another application has saved this file, and do you want to keep this file or save it as a version or revert to the one?" It's like, "Oh no, like this is this is starting to get a bit weird." But yeah, I can imagine you need to just close down 
actually um sort of as you shift from one to the other yeah so i need to get better at that i've had some interesting i've had some interesting things with uh that and git in the past as well so i think um it was only yesterday actually i had a situation where everything had come back down over icloud drive it's a git repository um and yet it wasn't um it wasn't showing up in because I, I use source tree and i'd had it previously added and for some reason like everything that i just changed was showing up as as unstaged changes like the the entire um that entire repository huh. and the only way i could fix this in the end without sort of probably going through something there's probably a git command buried somewhere that i just didn't know um or i needed to like force some sort of sync um, but the only way I managed to sort it out was to essentially nuke the folder um, and reclone the repository back down from GitHub. So that that was a bit of a hard edge of that sort of thing, I think. Yeah, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's kind of Xcode that kind of forced my hand with all of this because I installed Xcode 10 on my MacBook Pro, um, which is you know aging, <laughs> was it 2010? Yeah, um, and the simulators just wouldn't work. They just you would click build and run, and you would get the silhouette of the device, and it would just sit there. You'd get no nothing. Um, right, and I was like trying to debug it and trying to figure things out, and I thought, you know what, this is why. Why don't I just just format my machine, do a clean install of macOS, because I've kind of rearchitected everything the way I work, so that, so that this kind of thing should be not a problem. And it'd be quite a good yep. way to test whether what I've done has actually worked. Um, so that's what I did. I just nuked macOS, fresh install, installed Xcode, installed a few other bits like Affinity Designer, Audio Hijack, um, Sky Fonts to pull my fonts down. Yeah. Uh, Slack, Skype, you know, the usuals. And Xcode 10 now works perfectly. It's slow, don't get me wrong. It's a 2010 MacBook Pro. It's, <laughs> it's slow, but it, it works. Um, so I think on the whole, I probably gained sort of save time there because I could have been fiddling around trying to fix that for evenings and evenings and evenings, like one after the other, and probably still not have gotten anywhere. Um, yeah. But instead, within about an hour, hour and a half, it was all it was all done and dusted, and yeah, everything pulled down from my cloud drive. Um, it's all good. And this weekend, I've done the same thing with my iMac because for some reason, like my hard drive was getting really, really full. Um, I had no idea what all this stuff was on there. So I did the same. I was like, let's just sort of run that test again, wiped the iMac, pulled everything down, installed my main apps. And here we are, all good. Awesome. Yeah. Kind of answered a question as well about, you know, I was saying a few weeks ago about whether I should get a MacBook to replace the iMac that I currently have. Um, yeah. But my one concern was I would probably due to budget I have to go for a base model 15 inch and that comes with a 256 drive i was kind of thinking yeah. oh, you know, you know, could i could i manage with that and sitting here today i have used with everything installed as in like all the apps i need pull down all my projects uh i have used 31 gigabytes oh wow is that os included uh it looks like it. i've just done right click get info on the hard drive within finder yeah 36 gigabytes used on disk I've got 464 available. So I think probably, yeah, I can live on a 256. Um, obviously keeping all the heavy stuff off of the machine in any case, because I've kind of got external hard drives for bigger stuff, like all of our garage band projects that, you know, are nice to keep for all the past episodes, but take up a ton of space. 
Yeah, they're, they're all off of the machine in any case. So yeah, it's all good. It's all worked out. So I'm, I'm quite happy. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's good to sort of prove the point. I think there every now and again. Um, I, I think the same thing sort of applies to uh, running from backups and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. So you know, if you've <laughs> if you've got time machine or, or backblaze or something, you know, maybe not so much for backblaze really, given sort of speed and time. But yeah, it's worth kind of testing your your strategy um, in anger. And I think that's that's kind of what you've done there, really. But it was kind of Mojave that um, prompted me to do it because I did the upgrade from High Sierra to Mojave. I don't know. I hear a lot when, whenever new OSs come out and people get their new iPhones, they always restore from, or a lot of people restore from backups or, or kind of like move up from High Sierra straight to Mojave, um, just do an upgrade. Yep. I, yep. Always, I always quite like having a clean a clean install. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that I quite like about yeah, Mojave's come out. I want a Mac with Mojave on it, just completely clean, and then go from there. Like when I get a new iPhone, for me, part of the process is of kind of getting to know that phone is just to have it completely blank, start from nothing, install all your apps, and you know, kind of explore the phone that way. Right. Uh, so yeah, that that was kind of another reason, I guess, behind doing the doing the fresh install on the iMac, so I could have a nice clean install of uh, Mojave. You settled into it now. I think so. Yeah, um, not had any issues. Um, if, you, if you're hearing this, um, you know that Audio Hijack worked, so <laughs> that's, that's got to be good. Um, have you installed it yet on your stuff? Yeah, I have, and, and that impressed me. Um, Audio Hijack just works, you know. Um, I think there was an update ready and waiting for, for Mojave for it mm-hmm. um, that I hadn't installed up until I upgraded the machine. Um, so I upgraded Audio Hijack as well, and yeah, it's. Um, I think... I'm I'm sort of settling into dark mode overall with Mojave. There's a definite, I mean, a lot of people have said this already, but there's a definite kind of um, switch when you sort of move to an app that doesn't support it, and then it's suddenly really, really bright, um, and that's that's quite jarring. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of a bit unsure at this stage how I sort of feel about dark mode because um, I'm running High Sierra on my work laptop which is my main machine you know five days a week through the day mm-hmm. um and i don't plan on upgrading to to mojave just yet probably not for at least another week or two um maybe even longer i took ages to upgrade to high sierra um it's just kind of you know find the right time to really go through that and i've got xcode 9 as well and and the setup that i just kind of want to leave alone for the moment is that your choice or is it kind of like there's a policy or anything there's no immediate policy, but there's a practicality in having older versions hanging around of Xcode. Upgrade-wise, it's more just sort of finding the right time to to sort of do without the machine. You just down tools for a bit. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's something I'll do probably over a weekend on my own time. I don't mind doing that. Yeah, what that means, though, is that I've got one machine running High Sierra and another machine running Mojave and it kind of makes me feel like I'm probably just going to turn dark mode off so I don't have to kind of have that jump, which which is a shame. I was going to say, you say that from the point of view of liking dark mode or not liking dark mode. I like it overall. It's how I run Xcode anyway. I have a dark theme, so it just sort of means like the, everything else in there sort of starts to fit. Yeah, like I say, for the wider OS, it, it just it's kind of jumpy. And, and browsing through Safari is sort of this this exercise in kind of like, am I going to get dazzled by by another site? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, I've gone through a bit of a roller coaster. I've, I went through initially loving it when I first turned it on because it was new and shiny. Then I kind of went through that phase of like, oh, I'm not actually that sure about it. Um, yeah. And now I'm kind of on the fence. I think I do like it for the most part. But like I'm using notes here. I've got a few notes. The area where you write your notes, the, the background is, is like a, a dark grey and the, yep. the text is a, a light grey. Jump over to pages and you've got a completely white page as if it's in light mode, but then you've just kind of got the you know, the the rest of it, like the chrome, I guess you could call it, um, is in dark mode. So it's kind yep. of feels like Apple is still maybe feeling their way a little bit. And I don't know which one's better, actually, pages or notes, than the way they're doing it, because I find where if I'm looking at this notes document for too long, I come away with quite hurty eyes. Almost like if I look at the white wall that sits behind my monitor, I can see lots of like lines in my vision. Almost right. like I've been reading Darren Fireball for too long. <laughs> you know that feeling you get when you get light text on a dark background? Oh, absolutely. So yesterday I was using this machine during the daytime um, sat in uh sat in our dining room which is really quite bright um because of the way it gets the sun and it was a very very sunny day outside yesterday as well we're getting spring again now um and every time i got up from the machine i had that sort of jarring kind of feeling with uh with the change in contrast mm. um not quite as as extreme as you were saying just there but but certainly that's sort of like oh okay I need to actually take more regular breaks or something. That's that's not so good. Yeah. I find it difficult when I've got a dark background and lots of lines of light content, which is essentially what's going on with this note document because I've just got lines and lines of text. And obviously with notes, you've kind of got the notes, all your various notes on the left. Yep. And again, the the titles and little previews you get are kind of light, what, light gray on a dark background. So I've kind of got all these lines of white content on dark backgrounds. And it kind of yeah it does hurt my eyes after a little while, which I don't know whether there's a middle ground there that could be could be struck somehow. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to really tell. Um, I think you you hit a point before when you sort of said about Apple still kind of feeling this out, and I think the same thing thing sort of applies to um, the wider development community as well. I think there's something here for sort of everybody to explore who's bringing their apps over to dark mode. Um, but it does, it just sort of feels like, well, there's, there's not a lot of nuance at the moment. You know, it's okay. It's quite a dark background and then shades of grey or, um, like you say, you sort of end up with like the, the UI is in dark mode, but then a central point really isn't, like pages. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like there's a bit more to sort of figure out here. Um, I, I don't know, I mean, like, if you sort of think of, of well, what's the opposite is is the default that we've had for many years. And that's not considered, you know, light mode and everything is black on white. You know, there's there's various kind of shadings goes on there in terms of the, the sort of central UI that's not the chromed sort of side of, of, of the, the app. You know, I mean, what notes is normally yellow, for example, rather than this sort of grey colour. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's perhaps something there to sort of be explored in terms of like a bit more of a palette. Um, and a bit more of a range. Um, yeah, overall, it's it's certainly not the worst, you know, and I, I quite like having the change. But, I, yeah, I can kind of feel that sort of nagging bit of friction that's sort of making me go, hmm, I'm probably going to switch start mode off soon. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's funny how um, a lot of email signatures presume a white background. Um, yes. Because if you're just sending a regular email, mail will switch it to a dark background. 
and people with their kind of PNGs that they put in their email signatures of like, you know, any accreditations or logos that uh, <laughs> you kind of, the, the darkness kind of breaks it quite badly, especially if anything's got like a drop shadow on it and it presumes a white background that's kind of yeah. behind that. It's like, oh no. But yeah, I think the biggest area where I struggle, um, I think we spoke about this privately, is that if I've got a, on my iMac, if I've got lots of windows open, like at the minute I've got Xcode, I've got a few finder windows, audio hijack notes, uh, what, a few other bits. And when they start layering on my desktop, I struggle to tell them apart. It's almost like there isn't much of a, it lacks contrast, I think, which is you know, kind of the point, I suppose. But I think when, when I start layering lots of windows up, I struggle to tell where one ends and the other begins. So I wonder, obviously I can't try it out on my MacBook because my MacBook is now capped at High Sierra. But I do wonder if maybe I would like dark mode more on a laptop because on a laptop I'll typically work in full screen mode a lot more. So right. I'll have a Xcode in full screen and then I'll swipe on the touchpad to go over to another space where maybe I've got some simulators and I'll maybe swipe the other direction to go to Safari where I'm probably in Stack Overflow <laughs> um, trying to figure something out. And that, I think that might actually lend itself better to dark mode, it, for me anyway, because I find I don't really utilise spaces or full screen mode on an iMac just because if you go full screen in in, a, in an app, it just feels a bit unwieldy. It just feels way too big yeah. on, that, on that screen. So I tend to go for like slightly smaller windows and sort of layer them up, and that's where I'm having this issue. So so perhaps if when the time comes I end up back on a, on a, like a 15-inch MacBook Pro, um, it, it might might work better for me in in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't tend to use full screen mode at all. Um, I do a little bit more on on my MacBook, which is a 13 inch, because it makes a lot more sense there. But even then, there's there's a lot of times where I'll just kind of default to just sort of almost manually stacking my windows, really, so that I can flip between them. Yeah, it's just I've got this really ingrained kind of hangover from just using desktop operating systems for like the last... Mm, let me work this out (laughs) (laughs) we're into we're into the multiple decades you know um we were into like what since maybe 93 so yeah you know i'll drag things around and just put things where i want them to be and and kind of move and tab and, and do what i want in that way so yeah full screen doesn't necessarily come naturally to me and then every now and again i'm kind of like oh yeah there's that i can kind of make better use of my machine there um but now I can kind of see like if you're sort of swiping between spaces, I love uh, it. you don't need that contrast between the windows, you know? No. Um, it's just such a, such a fast way for me to get around the OS. It's kind of like in my head, I've kind of got going left to right, you know, like a, a just a plain desktop for maybe a couple of finder windows and miscellaneous things. And I've got Safari, then I've got Xcode, then I've got simulators, then I've got mail, then I've got notes and I can just go bang, 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 bang on the, on the touchpad and just quickly yep. swipe between them. Um, yeah. I, I've always liked that. I kind of, that's the one thing that I did miss with getting the iMac actually that I wasn't quite expecting. Right, that that sort of navigation style. Yeah, um, just kind of like when I'm in Xcode, I think, oh, where do I want to go now? Mail. So I kind of know in my head, mail is two swipes away. So it's, you know, bang, bang, and then you're in mail. And then I write back to Xcode and another bang, bang on the tap pad, uh, tap pad, t- touchpad to go to the left. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite cool. Um, not for everyone though, I can imagine. So. It's funny, I could imagine actually you get a lot out of um, kind of being able to sort of group different windows together and then have that as sort of a swipeable space. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, I'd have one space just for, say, my simulators and I kind of arrange them so maybe I have like two iPhones and an iPad in there. Then I'll have Xcode full screen, then I'll have maybe some finder windows, maybe like three of them just 
either tiled or kind of near each other in, in a space of their own, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, it work, works well for me. Speaking of uh, grouping stuff, have you kind of played with stacks and um, had that turned on? I have no need for it because my desktop is always completely clean. <laughs> <laughs> Literally completely clean or fake completely clean? Because there's, there's both options. What do you mean, fake completely clean? Um, yeah, I'm I'm a messy person in a lot of ways. Um, my desktop is just this sort of garbage fire of icons and everything <laughs> everywhere. So in the end, I thought, right, I've got two choices. I can either keep on top of this and just be really, really clean, you know, and, and make sure there's literally nothing on my desktop. Or I found the command that you can put into the terminal and you just never see any icons on the desktop. <laughs> so I chose the latter. Um, because I haven't got time for that sort of maintenance, I can't be bothered. Um, but what that does for me is that means that um, if I'm presenting off of my machine, I don't have that kind of embarrassment of, of icons that shows up as you sort of initially you know, start to, to airplay or whatever. Yeah. Um, so would you just have your desktop as a stack or something in the dock? Um, I de- I, I, I've not got that far because I'm not using my work machine with Mojave yet. Um Oh no, when I say stack, I mean um, kind of like old style stacks in the dock. So, kind of, you know, the, the ones that live by the trash. No, if I, if I want anything from it, I literally go and open a finder window and then go to desktop. Oh, okay. Um, or I, I get there from the command line because, uh, again, ingrained old habits. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but, but like I say, my, my solution to the many icons was to just nuke the site from orbit and, and leave my desktop behind. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's fake clear desktop you know everything's still there if i take a screenshot from the simulator or whatever it's still dumped on my desktop um you just don't get an icon there that's not a bad idea um, actually it, it's clean and it, it saves me from myself and it reduces any kind of overhead that i might have for it i've got a lot of these messy habits you, you should see all my unread emails it's um <laughs> it's a big number <laughs> One thing I did like actually is the way that you get um there's like a new section of the dock. I don't know if you've picked up on it. So I've got my app icons in the dock that are kind of pinned there. They're always there. Then I've got the trash and you know my downloads thing. Um and then then you got the bit where you get like the last three apps or however many apps that aren't pinned but are running. Yes. I quite like yep. that. That's a nice touch. Um, I don't remember ever being aware of it during kind of the build-up to Mojave, but I, I do like it. So, for example, Audio Hijack and Skype, I typically only run them once a week when we do this call, so they're now occupying that little space in the dock, and then when they're done, they're done, and that portion of the dock will go away. It's um, Oh, yeah, that's cool. Just a nice little touch. I quite like that. Have you played with the Marzipan apps yet? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so I've had a play with voice memos, actually, literally to just sort of have a play. That's the one that I haven't actually used yet. <laughs> <laughs> with voice memos, what I did to sort of play with it is I have my iPad open as well. And the cloud kit side of stuff is really quite interesting. So, you know, you record on one or record on the other, and then obviously everything handshakes and syncs back with cloud kit. Um, and then you get the update on the the other machine and that was really neat that was kind of um for me the first time i've really kind of put put two machines side by side and tested much like that out with cloud kit for a while so that's not really a marzipan thing but that was kind of a cool sort of ah that just works yeah that's cool um i i can remember you know 
the bad old days of services like mobile me and the early days of, of um iCloud and CloudKit where stuff didn't quite seem to work so well and and that's cool that sort of feels like that something's happened um i don't know when you know in the last however long since i last really had a look and that's just working that's that's super awesome probably doesn't just work for some people out there and i'm sure there's edge cases and stuff but but it was really cool to just sort of see you know record a bit oh there it is it's on the other device yeah off we go in terms of how the marzipan side of stuff felt it was also quite interesting sort of running the two side by side because you can see like the design tweaks where they've changed you know from one to the other and using an ipad side by side with it was was interesting in terms of obviously the ipad's kind of got that that real estate you know i put it into landscape mode and it's got a very similar amount of space to display and i, I played around moving the window um smaller and bigger on, on the mac as well and a few things kind of jumped out to me there in terms of um the sort of tweaks that i don't know if they're going to come uh through the the framework itself or or not you know how much of this is going to be things that the developer has to actually tweak and finesse themselves um i'm getting the impression that some things are um are going to definitely be things that the developer has to do for themselves like for example on the ipad some parts of the memos app have um curved edges and and these are bits that when they're expressed on the mac they're actually hard 90 degree edges um i suspect that's probably a, a kind of if statement or whatever you know that recognizes it's it's the ipad version and chooses to apply corner radius to that component and just doesn't on on mac os so i think there's going to be those sort of trade-offs sort of start to appear and i I think it's um it's just another example of it's definitely not going to be so easy as just sort of going boom you've now got your app over on that other platform yeah i mean voice memos is the the one app that i haven't used um but i've been using news i've been exploring that a little bit and stocks um i don't have any home kit stuff so i haven't, haven't bothered with that seems like they're getting a little bit of criticism maybe on the whole these apps just from what I'm hearing and, and reading, and yeah, I I accept they're a little bit clunky, but I don't I don't really think I have a huge problem with them at the moment. I think the I think maybe Apple could have um, messaged it a little bit better, and maybe kind of said that these apps are almost in in beta because yep. that then manages the expectation rather than sort of putting them out there as almost tentpole features. I mean, I. I did that thing when I did the clean install of Mojave. It was like I got the notification saying, um, oh, come and come and take a tour of, of Mojave and see the new features. So I was like, yeah, go on then, just refresh my memory. Went went and did the tour. Um, and they were using these apps as like big features within that tour. So yeah. it just seemed like that, that was a strange thing, strange thing to do because in a way the technology itself that these apps are, are, are being built on is almost in beta. So the... The, the beaterness of them almost extends through to the apps themselves, I would say. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, they're just little bits in that felt odd, like the, the news app uh, where you've got the list of stories that you can you can read and you click on one and then you go into the story. Um, kind of like a, a two-finger swipe to the to the right of the trackpad doesn't then take you back to, to the list of stories from, from the story that you're reading. Um Gotcha. Just, just little little things like that that just just didn't feel right. But on the whole, I I thought they 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 were okay. Um, 
it got me thinking, I, I guess, more in terms of like bigger picture of, of what it means. Because I think on one hand, you could kind of take the view that the Mac is not getting any attention and the platform is dying. And then on the other hand, you could take the view of leave my Mac alone. I like it the way it is. Yep. So it's it's going to be interesting to, to watch it play out. I think the bigger picture, I think this is this is great. I think this is exactly what we need at, at this time. Just because a lot of these apps are going to almost be like kind of iPhone and iPad apps almost dropped into the Mac, and yep. you you could that could be a bad thing, right? Um, or seen as a bad thing. But I think actually, for those for the type of apps that are likely to come across, probably a good thing. I mean, I'm I kind of was looking at my home screen on my phone earlier, thinking what apps would I like to see on my Mac? Um, things like Overcast that would be great. Twitter, that'd be great. Um, yep. Even though I don't use Facebook, I bet a lot of people would love a, a native Facebook app on the Mac. Similarly with Facebook Messenger, um, possibly even Reddit, um, YouTube, that kind of stuff would be great on the Mac. RSS readers, to-do managers, all this stuff that is currently siloed away in iOS. Yep. Um, and without a complete rewrite in AppKit, can't really come to the Mac. So I think I think this is going to be going to be really, really great because, I mean, what's, yeah, what's the alternative? The alternative is either tell users to use a website kind of like what twitter did or yep. just make an, an electron app like slack does yeah or you sort of end up i mean like i use wrapper apps that kind of wrap the website up and present it back as as a regular app oh yeah so yeah. what is that that does that so i'm using two I've, I've got one that's um specifically for facebook called current which is awesome actually um the the guy who's developed that he has it sort of set up so it's got different the different parts of Facebook and it presents your notifications back um, and gives you a little heads up in the uh, in the status bar at the top. Um, so that's cool. That, that's, that's quite a, a specific wrapper. Um, and then the, I've got a generic uh, program. I think it's called Fluid. That's it. The, that's the one. Yeah. And that gives you um, a Safari instance that's siloed. It's got its own um, cache and everything else. And so you can wrap um, any website inside of that and then present it back as, as a, a regular app. And that's how I use Twitter. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Twitter API stuff and people moving to different clients, that sort of stuff, I, I just ducked out of it all when the regular client died um, and just wrapped it. And, and now I'm using the web version of, of, of Twitter but in its own application with this wrapper around it. And that's good for me because I, I generally don't like to be logged into stuff like Twitter or Facebook in my main browser. Um, it's just kind of, you know, one less, uh, a bit less in terms of the um, tracking that goes on and that sort of stuff. You know, I don't have the cookies for it to handshake, for it to think, okay, it's this person. I mean, it can do all of that by IP and that sort of stuff, but it's a, just that one step removed. Um, so, yeah, I tend to kind of, like I say, black box services like that anyway using this Fluid app. And I think there's other ways of doing it. There used to be a way of doing it with Firefox as well, and, and, and there's ways of doing it with Chrome, um, which means you're probably halfway to having an Electron app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I think like it's um, yeah, it's it's just a way that I've I've ran things for a little while now. Um, and, and Fluid's a good app. I definitely recommend you know buying that or whatever. It was relatively cheap, but I would rather have 
a more complete experience for some of these things. You know, I mean, like without current, Facebook completely falls over. If you try and run it just sort of boxed up as a, as a web app, you can use it, but um, it just doesn't feel right after a point. Um, I, I I would take the uh, the iOS client over just using it through the web. Although, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of not using Facebook's app for other reasons. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but... I would sooner have the iOS versions of some of these apps than not have them at all or have Electron apps. And for some things, I don't think it's going to be that bad. You know, if you're talking about it just being a single view kind of application, well, there's not really an awful lot of tweaks potentially that it would need to have to exist like that on macOS as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be interesting because you'll find this sort of situation where like with some apps, um, I think if they come straight over to macOS, it's going kind of going to be, well, Mm, all right, why did you bother? Because they're almost sort of so simple that it may as well have just been a website or something else, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, but those that have that little bit more functionality, um, like your voice memos of the world, for example, um, where it's kind of solving a... It's not just presenting data back, you know, it's solving a kind of, I need to go do this task um, to achieve this kind of overall goal or or work activity or whatever... I think those apps will have quite a life transitioning over to Mac OS uh, because then, you know, they can be there, they can solve those problems and do those things. And like Overcast is the one I keep thinking about because um, I think on ATP this week, Marco was saying, I'm, I'm just not going to de- redevelop it for AppKit. It's the audience is too small, the amount of work is too high, and it's, it's just not going to be worth it. But if like the, the iPad it's kind of 5% more work to make it work on an iPad and then it's 5% more work to make it work on a Mac, then great, you know, it can come to the Mac. So I think, you know, those kind of apps that can, that can do that is going to be amazing. And, and what's crucial to remember is is that we're still, AppKit's not going away, right? That's still going to be there for like the apps that maybe need to go a little bit deeper than your traditional iOS style app. I'm, I'm thinking like Affinity Designer or maybe, I guess, Audio Hijacks probably in uh, AppKit. Xcode, yes. all that, all that kind of stuff that you know, apps that do some seriously you know, heavy lifting. But having this option to to bring an iOS app with minimal effort to the Mac, I think is great. I think it will mean that we might have to start asking ourselves, kind of, what is a Mac app now? Yes, because yeah, it's. I think it's probably going to be some resistance initially when when you start dropping in in numbers when we start seeing things like you know overcast facebook twitter reddit youtube app maybe bring in mac apps through the mac app store i don't feel like i've got that much um in terms of in terms of like baggage of my expectations of what a mac app should be because i, f- I still feel like a relatively new mac user um just because i um, was it i came in at about leopard i think um so i wouldn't say i'm like a, a proper hardcore mac user that's been here since like you know the old days of is it is it system nine they called it or os nine yeah OS nine. yeah so um i feel like maybe i'm going to be more receptive to an ios like experience on the mac than maybe some others would be so i think it's it's going to be interesting to sort of see how the the design language um starts to build out for these apps as well so I, th- I think that's something that the development community is going to expand upon sort of beyond whatever apple lays out um, I, I imagine at that point apple are probably going to have some level of um, expanded design guidelines that sort of thing and kind of introduce 
the design community to this concept as well i, I hope <laughs> and they're probably still figuring that stuff out for themselves as well because like the some of these, yeah. like the news app there's there's some there's some kinks and rough edges in there and i suspect they're going they're they're working to address that it may be that right now they're not in a position to give us those guidelines because they're still kind of working things out for themselves and solving some of these problems through the framework as well. So the the stuff you talked about before about news, where where you kind of went to do the the swipe back, yeah. um, that to me feels like that would be the regular sort of swipe from the corner navigation controller kind of flow, um, where you know you you can do a, a corner swipe from the left and you can go back up to the level above. Can't remember the news app well enough to to know if it's actually in a navigation controller at that point because. Uh, uh, we don't get news the news app here in New Zealand in the same way. Do you know? Um, no, I, I don't think it was here on uh, iOS uh, when it, when I first came over. I don't know if it's come since, um, but I, I don't have it on Mojave. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I, I just kind of assumed. Well, yeah, maybe that's that's just I'm, I'm on the list of countries not supported yet. Um, oh. But but anyway, like that that sort of gesture, you know, the, the sort of two finger swipe or whatever to go back and forth, that could be expressed through if you support this the swipe from the edge functionality with a navigation controller over on on iOS. Yeah. Then you know on Mac OS, it's just a two fingered swipe. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. So I've just clicked into an article, go to sort of swipe back out of it, hoping I'd go back to like the main view of all the articles to choose from. Yeah. But it doesn't work, and instead there's just a back button up by the traffic lights that you then click, and that takes you back. So yeah, I mean, for for the most part, I think these apps are fine. Um, I don't have a huge problem with them. They're very much like they are on iOS. There's a few like weirdnesses like that where they translate to macOS, but I think yeah, I think that kind of stuff can be it can be worked out. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot. 